When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Once again, down the stretch, some members of Steeler Nations might have been feeling heart palpitations as the Steelers closed that game out against Green Bay on Sunday, but a win is a win. They are 6-3 and three in labs this road trip into Ohio these next two weeks. I don't think you can overstate how big it is starting with Cleveland on Sunday. Yeah, you know, and, and let's let me just comment on the first part of your statement there. Uh, you were almost doing this podcast by yourself, let me tell you <laughs> You were that. one of the heart um, palpitations. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know, and it's just one after another. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I long for, you know, I don't know, a 14-point lead at the two-minute warning <laughs> for the four, second half. I guess that's too much to ask. And you kind of got teased on Sunday, Labs, too, with that 17-7 to lead. You're like, yeah. oh, is this happening for once? Yeah, really. Um, definitely got spoiled. You know, the offense scoring, you know, points for a while there. It seemed like it was going to happen every possession. You know, I, I kept um, pinching myself a little bit just to make sure I was awake and it wasn't a dream. But yeah, six and three going into, um, you know, the battle for Ohio, I guess you could nickname it if you wanted to, at Cleveland and then at Cincinnati. Um, you know, you look and you look at the AFC North. I mean, it's it's insane. Oh, it is. I mean, and what may be the most insane thing to me is that Cincinnati's last. Um, I really think I've said this on you know to you on this very program. Um, I, I if I if I was given any choice of quarterback, you know, for my team, I would pick Joe Burrow over. Right. Um, What's his name in Kansas City? Jake from State Farm. Um, My auto. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, you know, I, I it, <laughs> they're last. Um, so yeah, that this division is crazy. Uh, I think I really don't think you can look at any of the uh, uh, AFC North games between any of the teams in the North and feel really confident that one team is going to win and one team is going to lose. I, I think you just don't know. And to me, this, this to me was really, really revealing. Remember what the Ravens did to Seattle? Yep. Okay. See what, ha- what, what the Browns did to them. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's, that to me is just um, the most recent exhibit a of, you know, you need to know how to play AFC North football to be successful against AFC North teams because, you know, I don't know that you could line up the Browns and the Seahawks and say that, you know, the, the, um, the Browns are that significantly better from a talent perspective, you know, over the, their entire roster, both sides of the ball, special teams, coaching staff, all that stuff than Seattle. But when you look at the scores of the, the game, the respective games against the Ravens, 
um, that that's what that would indicate that their roster and coaching staff is far superior than Seattle's uh, roster and coaching staff. So yeah, buckle it up. Um, it's going to be a heck of a ride here this next fortnight. You know what a fortnight is, right? Two weeks. There you go. See, I, knew, I, knew, <laughs> I thought maybe I could slip one in on you, but I can see you've been studying. You've been studying those those questions I send you every week. That's right, the flashcards. Um, but, yeah, this, the flashcards. Um, so, yeah, the next fortnight should be uh, very interesting and certainly revealing in terms not only of, you know, the Steelers' chances for the postseason, but also maybe how, you know, the AFC North starts to take shape as we head into December, which is always a critical month in an NFL regular season. All four of those Bungles losses in last place are AFC losses, two labs. That really hurts come tiebreaker time. Yeah, you know, and but the thing I always ca- caution people about is tiebreakers only come into play if your record is tied. It's true. <laughs> if you have a better record or a lesser record than the, the other team in question, the tiebreakers don't matter. So, um, yeah, it's still... The first tiebreaker is, you know, your record. Um, so, you know, just keep that in mind before you start doing all the gazintas with the, the, all those tiebreakers <laughs> and all the permutations of them. Well, let's get to this week's batch of questions. Our first one comes from Jared Honaker from Afton, Virginia. I felt like the five penalties against the Steelers on the Titans opening drive were more than we actually committed or deserved. Even the announcers were annoyed. Was it a statement from the officials that they won't tolerate comments like Mike Tomlin made the previous Sunday after the loss to the Jaguars? Um, I, I got a, my, my belief is the only statement that was made uh, by the flag happy crew working Steelers Titans was that they approach almost every game believing they get graded by volume. You know, uh, more flags, the higher the grade. Yeah, that crew's uh, that pretty flag referee. happy. Oh, yeah. Fre- referee John Hussey and his crew uh, are known for throwing a lot of flags. Um, and let's, in the um, October 15th game when Cleveland upset the San Francisco 49ers, Hussey and his crew called. 25 accepted penalties for 224 <laughs> yards. So, I mean, again, I've said this a million times. Uh, once the NFL figures out that people are not paying money to sit in stands or watch on TV, officials dominate a game, uh, maybe they'll figure it out that, you know, less is more. And just for just to kind of tie a bow on this for Jared, uh, the final numbers in that, Steelers Titans game, 17 accepted penalties for 131 yards. So, who knows? Maybe Hussey and his group got a low grade for that because it was below the 25. <laughs> I was going to say 17, pretty low there, John, having her off night. <laughs> Grant Spellerberg from Cutler Bay, Florida, has our next question. He asks Aside from the backup quarterback, who usually only plays if the starter is hurt? How many of the other active players do not play on game days? Don't most of the other positions rotate throughout the game? Yes, they do. Uh, and, you know, that's why I've always maintained that people sometimes get a little too excited about who starts at receiver or who starts at running back or, no, excuse me, or who starts in the defensive backfield. But, I mean, um, you know, you can not be on the field for the first snap uh, of the game as a wide receiver and end up playing more snaps than any of the other wide receivers in that game because of the rotation. Um 
that Grant is referring to. So get to get to his question, uh, yes, it's typically the backup quarterback. And then recently for the Steelers, it has been their seventh offensive lineman. Uh, and that recently has been Spencer Anderson, the rookie seventh-round pick. He's typically given a helmet because of his ability to line up at multiple positions on the offensive line in the event of you know more than one in-game injury. So uh, usually it, it can change, but usually it's the backup quarterback, who is Mitch Trubisky, and the seventh offensive lineman, who is Spencer Anderson. Gavin Whiteside from Hagerstown, Maryland. Do you think that the Steelers have a chance of making the playoffs? Also, what do you think the best division is in the NFL? I'll take the second question first. You know, we were talking about it yeah, earlier. Right. To me, it's got to be the AFC North. Uh, the Bengals are in last place at 5-4. and four. Um, You know, in quantifying the best division, you know, is the only way I can do it, except for what I think, is – uh, how many look at the standings? How many teams over 500 are in each division? Now the AFC North has four teams over 500. Um, the only uh, there's no other division in the NFL with more than two teams over 500. Even though the AFC South has two teams over 500, and then um, a team at 500 uh, in third place. But you know, seriously. Um, the Bengals are last in the AFC North right now. The only AFC South team that I believe could handle the Bengals would be Jacksonville, maybe the Texans on a good day. But, you know, when your last place team is maybe better than the first place team <laughs> in the other division, you're kind of looking at, to me, that's not much of a contest. Okay, on to the other part of the question. Yeah, I, the Steelers have a chance yep. uh, absolutely to make the playoffs. I think it's going to take 10 wins in the AFC this year. Uh, so we'll find out, you know, um, there's uh, eight weeks left, eight games left, and there's six and three. So that's six wins already, eight games left, need to get to 10. Quick math there, young Thomas. Just have you to go 500. To go there you go. Yes. Four, I was going to say four and four, but 500 is also an acceptable answer in this. <laughs> uh, and I think, um, I think that'll do it. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be easy or likely, but uh, that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree with you. It just seems like it's, especially when you look at the schedule, you know, you don't want to do that and predict based on how the other teams are looking right now, but there are definitely some wins to be had for the Steelers down the stretch here. Yeah, and, and also some very difficult. For sure. You know, like that at at Seattle, oh. New Year's Eve. Oh. Um, right. Even if Seattle wasn't a good team, that'd be a tough trip. <laughs> yes, yes. I I, I could tell you horror stories about uh, playing rides to Seattle, but uh, I'll, I'll spare you that right now. Maybe, you know, next time, uh, next training camp when we're at the pier having a, <laughs> a, a cold beverage after a hot day, I can regale you with uh, some horror stories of being on a plane. To, uh, the, the endless plane ride to Seattle. Six-hour flight, yeah. like, <laughs> Oh, in, into the wind in the winter. Yeah, that's brutal. John White from Lancaster, Lancashire, in the United Kingdom. Wow, Labs, across the pond here with this question. Miles Boykin is excellent when it comes to covering punts. In a role where stats don't give a clear picture, who is the best coverage man from your time covering the team? Also a shout-out and good luck to Cole Holcomb, who has been a stud this season. Yeah, and John, John might want to add uh, one Quan Alexander, right, yeah. too. That seems wow. to be uh, 
um, an epidemic there. They hate to see that happen to guys. And um, so best, best wishes to both of them on their recoveries. Uh, anyway, when it comes to special teams, I mean, the Steelers have had a long history of players beginning their careers, you know, on special teams and then going on to being uh, very um, integral com- uh, contributors on either offense or defense. I mean, I can, here's just a partial list off the top of my head, and these are recent guys. LeVon Kirkland, Chad Brown, Jerry Olsavsky, Brett Kiesel. Remember him covering punts. Um, 300-pound guy flying down, busting wedges. <laughs> uh, James Harrison, um, Joey Porter Sr., uh, Heinz Ward, and there, there's a lot of other ones. But I'm going to give you guys who um, who were primarily on the team, who stayed on the team, because they played special teams. They weren't young players working their way into roles on either offense or defense. Um, chronologically, in order of the time that they played for the Steelers, uh, the first is Fred McAfee, and then Chidi Awoma is the other guy. Uh, McAfee was a running back by trade, but he covered kicks. Uh, he played five seasons with the Steelers. and in, in five seasons, he had a total of 124 offensive touchdowns. Or excuse me, offensive touchdowns, touches. <laughs> Said it wrong twice. Um, and but his career lasted for ten seasons and 194 games because he uh, covered kicks, uh, and he was good at it. Uh, Awoma's career followed a similar path. He was a defensive back by trade, but during his five seasons with the Steelers, 01 to 05 and 2000s played in 71 regular season games, but he only started one of those on defense. So that kind of makes my point. Um, right now, by the way, uh, Chidi Awoma is in his fourth season as a college scout for the Steelers after serving eight seasons as Pittsburgh's Blesto scout. So he remains with the team uh, contributing uh, to the scouting department uh, in very much uh, a way that was uh, as unsung uh, as was his playing career, but uh, noteworthy contributions nonetheless. We keep it international with our next question from Israel Pickholtz from Askelon, Israel. So Coach Mike Tomlin said he plans to bring in officials to help avoid penalties in the future. How exactly does that work? Seems to me that if the team is playing certain officials to come in and no, no, help, no, no, team no. is paying certain it's officials a, to come in and help, there, you go. there is a relationship that ought not to be allowed. Okay, the officials who brought or brought in uh, to practices at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, um, they're either college officials or high school officials, and they're local. They're local people, local men and women. Um, you know, it's easier for them to the travel. Uh, you know, is easier. Uh, they do get paid, but they're high school or college officials, so there isn't that conflict uh, that Israel uh, asked about. Um, and you know, this is what Mike Tomlin said about what he's looking for from officials that are brought into work steals practices. He said, I can stand in front of the group and say, we need to clean the penalties up. So how do we go about that? We intensify our standard of expectations in a practice by having officials and having them throw flags when appropriate. And most importantly, the dialogue after the play of why and what was the trigger in terms of creating the penalty. It's all done in an effort to kick our own butts less. 
because being part of a tough team to beat is not being yourself. So just to kind of recap, the Steelers had the penalty issues against Tennessee and then against the Packers. As I'm looking this up really quickly here on the fly, um, they were only penalized three times. So, you know, a lot of times that does work. Three times against uh, right. Green Bay. Yeah. Jack Baker from Hysham, Montana. Has the NFL considered expanding into Canada like other professional teams, NBA, MLB, and, of course, the NHL? It seems like they would have a great fan base. <clears throat> no, the NFL has stayed out of Canada. Um, I, You know, my impression is the reason for that is it's kind of like a professional courtesy. Uh, the NFL doesn't want to kill the Canadian Football League, which is still a very viable uh, sport in Canada uh, with franchises, you know, throughout the, the country there. Uh, and I just believe that, you know, the NFL likes, there's no competition, you know, but for players between the NFL and the CFL. And I think that the NFL kind of would like to keep it that way. You don't want to get into another bidding war like there was between the NFL and the AFL for players and rating teams and uh, trying to sign draft picks that or picks players who were picked by the other league. There was a lot of that going on in the in the '60s, and so um, you know I just think that that's that's why it's done that way. And um, you know NFL football fans in Canada, if they want to watch the NFL, um, there's you know. TVs pick it up up there, uh, satellite dishes, you know, whatever is necessary to um, get uh, CBS or Fox or NBC or, you know, any of the, even uh, Amazon Prime or YouTube or whatever uh, services are broadcasting NFL games. And I just think that that's the way that the NFL would prefer the relationship to be going. Plus, I mean, come on, Minnesota, Buffalo, that's basically Canada anyway. It's close enough. I mean, they could just glom onto those teams. It's good enough for them. <laughs> okay. Chris Weinschenker from Latrobe, PA. When Texans running back, I can't believe you're going to make me try to pronounce this name. <laughs> Dere Ogumbowale, I think I did a decent job, made a field goal last weekend. I immediately recall that in the early, late 1970s, the Steelers center Ray Mansfield at least tried to kick a field goal or a PAT. I looked through some online football stat sites and could find no record of it. Am I suffering from the Mandela effect? Um, no, you're not. Uh, and the, the reason that you probably couldn't find it, uh, a lot of stats sites uh, do not automatically include playoff stats in overall stats uh, for individuals and or teams. And that's why, because Ray Mansfield did kick two extra points, but both of those came in the playoffs in after the 1976 season, one in the divisional round game in Baltimore and the other in the AFC championship game in Oakland. Both of those because of injuries to Roy Jarella, who was the full-time place kicker at the time. Um, so in that particular statistical category, Ray Mansfield retired a perfect two for two. <laughs> I'd love to see a center kick an extra point laughs. That'd be great. Oh, I mean, that's, you know, that used to be the way it was done. I mean, you, um, Paul Horning, I still consider that one of the greatest, his 1962 season, one of the greatest seasons 
by an individual uh, in the NFL because not only was he a running back and a receiver, but he was also the place kicker <laughs> for real, not just in emergencies. And uh, he rang up a whole bunch of points um, as a player. He was MVP, you know, all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I – that that would be that would be great if you had to go back to a time where find someone on your fifty three roster that's good enough to kick can't be just a kicker, right? Punter, kicker, all of those uh, <laughs> all of those spots um, would make it interesting. That's for sure. And our final question today comes from Ed Johnson from Germantown, Ohio. I believe Franco Harris was considered a fullback during his career. In today's NFL, would he be listed as a running back or as a halfback? It seems like fullbacks are mostly used as blockers today. Also, were not wide receivers once referred to either as a tight end or a split end? Okay, uh, Franco Harris will deal with that first. Um, his playing weight was listed at 230. He was listed as a fullback officially. You know, other fullbacks of the time were Jim Brown, um, Larry Zonka. Uh, so, decent. you players. know, fullbacks, right, in those days – were often the primary ball carriers. Uh, and so, yes, he was a fullback. He was listed at 230, um, and he would be um, called a running back now because just as a couple of recent examples, Jerome Bettis uh, was listed as a running back, um, and he his playing weight was 252, at least on the, <laughs> on the program. Um, Derrick Henry is listed as a running back. His playing weight is currently listed at 247. So, yes, um, Franco Harris would be a running back. Um, now, prior to the all-encompassing all term of wide receivers, uh, those players were listed as split ends and flankers because you used to have, you know, in the backfield, you had a fullback, and then you had a left halfback and a right halfback. And one of those halfbacks turned into a flanker uh, once the – a passing became more of a prevalent part of an NFL offense. Uh, going back even farther than that, uh, a tight end was listed as a right end. There were because there were right ends and left ends, you know, not so. Yeah, that because LB Nickel, as an example, who's in the Steelers Hall of Honor, uh, who is considered, was considered, is considered the second best tight end in franchise history behind Heath Miller. Uh, if you looked him up specifically during his the time he played, there was no such thing as a tight end. He was a right end. And the reason that the tight end position lined up on the right side was offenses were primarily right-handed, and so you ran to the right. And the tight end was on the strong side as a blocker. Then he became a receiver. Uh, and, you know, that's enough of the olden days for everybody, I'm sure. <laughs> Steelers Browns Sunday six, uh, excuse me, six and three versus six and three. One o'clock kickoff in Cleveland for the beginning of the Battle of Ohio, as Labs coined it at the beginning of this podcast. Thanks for everybody who got their questions in today. If you want to get your questions in and read on a future episode, just send them into Labs now, and hopefully you will be the lucky few selected. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opferman. Thanks as always, and we'll talk to you next week on another Asked and Answered. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. 
book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.